0: Well, welcome to a new episode of Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, a brand new guest talking about their experience and their life in the world of martial arts and everything else. Um, my guest this week is a associate professor at North Dakota State University with a PhD in biochemistry and molecular biophysics. He's had uh, over 66 publications and his research focuses on obesity that affects more than 1.4 billion people worldwide. And if my research is correct, he's also one of only about 140 people to receive his black belt from legendary instructor Ralph Castro. Please welcome to the show, Glenn Dorsum. How are you doing this morning, sir? Very good. Thank you, Brian. Good. So as we do with all my guests, let's just jump in and and go back to the beginning and talk about that first spark. Where did that first interest in martial arts come from?
1: well first I, I didn't know I was one of 144 from Ralph Castro so that was very interesting thank you for yeah
0: that. I found a website uh, shaolinkempo.com and Ralph Castro yeah. and it, it says great grandmaster Ralph Castro Shaolin Kempo black belts who received the rank of black belt from him yeah and great. it's if if my math is that's right it's, it's I think it's actually 134 135 on this list I, I don't know because the the last one was 2010 so if that's when he retired or no, excuse oh. me, 2014. 2014 looks like the, the newest one right. on there. So it sounds correct. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. And he passed away recently. Yeah, too. 2019, I believe. So, so uh, yeah, I mean well, that's that's pretty cool. I mean yeah, so I, I know I know a lot of black belts and I know, you know, in the in the hundreds, if not some of them thousands that have given up black belts over their current martial arts. So to be one of less than hundred and fifty, that's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that. So thank you. Cool. No, no problem. Okay. Well, to answer your question, for me, I started my martial arts training, essentially the day I graduated high school. And I've, I always was fascinated with martial arts. I loved any martial arts uh, movie. I was a martial arts movie, junkie, sci-fi type of thing. And um, no martial arts before 18 years old, really. I had done track and football. So I was, I kept myself moving and Uh, I was always um, working out somehow, but um, I remember in Winchester, Massachusetts, it all started after high school and I I knew I wanted to get my black belt and I wanted to train. Probably what made me go into martial arts was uh, uh, I tell my kids when I was young in Vermont, um, I had my Halloween candy stolen from me twice, two years in a row. Really? (laughs) And I remember the second time I went out after I had my Halloween candy stolen the year before. And I told myself, okay, this year, no one's going to steal my candy. And I remember I was walking with a few other people and this really big guy with a black coat came and just grabbed my, it was a pillowcase (laughs) full of candy. And I held onto that pillowcase as hard as I could. (laughs) And we're swinging around, almost doing a pirouette together. And then he was just too strong. So I stole my candy again. So I went home crying, and I was about nine. So that probably stuck with me, and that that was the impetus for me to get into martial arts. I knew I wanted to do that, and I wasn't going to do anything. I was a, a fairly fast runner. I went to run Michigan at Michigan State, but I could never, I wasn't good enough to do anything nationally. I had aspirations to go to the Olympics. That didn't work out. So, martial arts was, was a good athletic medium for me. And I started in Winchester. Uh, I, I don't know the person's name. I probably wouldn't say, even if I knew it, because I don't think he was very honest. Okay, And I remember uh, giving him some money and saying I would really like to work out. And something about how he wouldn't give me my gi... And then I had to pay extra money or something like this. So I thought it was kind of a, a second rate school. And as I later found out, it, it probably was. But, uh, you know, there are some bags in there it was a small work area. And we I, I did my first front kick and side kick and roundhouse kick. And it was fun. I think I did. I, I don't know if I actually ever got my uniform from him. And I only I only took maybe during the summer uh, after high school. So after getting that initial taste of martial arts and realizing that I could do it and it was fun, uh, I went to Michigan State and I joined um, a school sponsored um, martial arts style called Shurenru. And it's a a Japanese style. It's a hard style. It's kind of like Shotokan. And, but it was, uh, let's see. Yeah, it was um, a lot of, of two hand motions. So almost everything was uh, block with two hands and then counter and then block uh, a kick with two hands. And it was a very it was a beautiful sweeping type of of style mm-hmm. and uh, some really, really good martial artists. Uh, I respected all of them. And the person who ran the, the dojo, as they called it, since it was Japanese, Master Iha. And he was a, sh- a short man, I think he did yard work, and he did snow removal, and he ran this school. And I may have the information slightly off, but I Mm -hmm. think uh, he was the he was an eighth degree black belt in Shurinru. And I, uh, the way that they described it was, it was him and someone else, I think, in, in um, South Africa, who was also an eighth degree. And he was the highest ranking Shurenru person in the United States. And he was in East Lansing and, wow. and, uh, he was just awesome. And the way that he could, he would teach us, um, he showed me this maneuver where there was a, a, a kick to the face and he would do his two hand motion where he would block it with one hand and then sweep it with the other hand. And the way that he did it was so fluid and beautiful. And that's uh, the person that's, that ran the school, Shurn There are a lot of black belts in his school that had been with him for, for decades. So I think that speaks for itself oh, I, I definitely. how good the school is. And some really talented individuals and also not some talented individuals. There are some people who weren't that athletically inclined, but they, they knew their stuff. And one really funny story. So this was a, a style, you know, uh, they had a, a class at Michigan state. So they sent a black belt out and he was a really nice guy. He called me judge. And I don't know why he called me judge, maybe because I, I did the rules well or something like that, but he called me judge for some reason. And he was a very, very good martial artist. This was old school. So, you know, we came in, we, we bowed, we kneeled, um, we did all of the pomp and circumstance, uh, that's where I learned how to how to count to 10 in Japanese, Ichi Nisan, Kuju, reach Kuju. I forget now. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd always do that as, as we're doing our stretching and our kicking. And it was rote, right? We would, after our stretching for five or 10 minutes, we would then do our kicks, Ichi, ni san chi go rook, and then kicks right, left, front kick, back kick, side kick. And then we'd we'd work with partners and we'd do our dances. And it was, there was a beauty to that and I really enjoyed that type of training and I've applied it to a lot of things in my life, studying biochemistry, studying for exams. Um, and I would I would just do the exact same thing I'd I'd get my note cards I would write out all of the vocabulary for a particular chapter and every single day I'd go over my note cards then I'd go over the vocabulary I, I would write out the structures the chemical structures and I do just I applied the Eastern philosophy of of practicing the same thing over and over and over and over and it just worked for me so I really appreciated that and that's what I learned from martial arts from the Shurenru style and applying it to my everyday life. So I I took that and that became central to my personality as I grew up. How long did you train with him? So I was, I was there. Let's see. I went to school in 1986 and I graduated in 1990. So I was in that school for four years. Wow. I probably uh I was middle belt I think. I think they only had I don't think they had 10. If they had 10, maybe they had 10 belts, but it was a really really old school type of mentality where mm-hmm. they didn't have 74 belts where each belt cost 60 bucks and it, it wasn't a money making machine operation which I really enjoyed and appreciated because I have been in those schools. Right. But yeah, uh, I forget. Yeah. So four years, I didn't get my black belt with them and probably because it's old school and you really have to demonstrate your, your stuff. And it was, um, cumulative. So you had to, all of your white belt stuff that you learned day one, you had to master and know it for when you went for your black belt, which right. isn't necessarily the same in all schools. True, And then, uh, I was, it was a really great time in my life because I actually had knees back then. I I could run and I would jog from my apartment on Michigan State campus, maybe two and a half miles downtown East Lansing. I'd work out and then I would jog back and it was a great, great workout. I I don't think I could do that now. I think I'd die.
0: (laughs) I just looked Uh, him up. He actually received his 10th degree black belt in 2001.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, he received wow. his
0: handsheed. So, yeah, it looks like... And if this is correct, he, he may... I don't know if he's still teaching or not, but um, it looks like he's still still with us. But, yeah, 10th degree black belt in 2001. Yeah, wow. That's- and a small
1: guy, and, and you would never know it because he's the most humble humblest person I've, I've met. And, and he was talking about a chucklehead he was kind of a chucklehead himself okay. very nice and you would never know that he was uh, an expert martial artist because he just held himself so in a humble way but you just knew <laughs> that he could put you on on your butt in a second
0: i think that's the way with a lot of the asian masters like you, you'd never know seeing them
1: right <laughs> they, exactly. they just they look yeah.
0: every day and look normal and right i mean hopefully yeah. you don't piss them off
1: <laughs> right <laughs> exactly so one funny story was uh, we had a macawara or something like that. Yep. I think that's Mac-y-war. what it's called. Yep. yep. And we would, I would go downstairs and I would punch the macarora and with my right fist and my left fist, and uh, they would be they were big on on working uh, the two knuckles, and you really want to get the two knuckles calloused and strong. And even to this day, I haven't been doing it, but my middle knuckle is extended out because of that Macaurora. And I I think it's a great exercise. It kind of deforms <laughs> your knuckles a little. Mm-hmm. But if you actually had to use it for self-defense, it's it's obviously a good training method. So I went down there and I did it 500 times because that was the joke that the guy and I were talking about. He'd call me judge. Yeah, you got to do it now 500 times. So I worked up to 100 then to 200. And I when I was really in that good shape, I was 19 maybe, and I was hitting it and I went up to 500 and I ran up to the guy and I said, hey, I hit it 500 times. And then he looks at me and he says, yeah, but your knuckles aren't bleeding. Continue. So that, <laughs> you know, that was the mentality in the school. And it was refreshing. It wasn't that. Um, and he said it in a, in a kind of a joking way, but a serious way, because, you know, that's what it takes in order to be to, to push yourself and to become, I guess, the best version of yourself. And if it doesn't bleed, it's probably not going to be as strong and that was uh, it. Kind of opened my eyes. I said, "Oh wow, I, <laughs> I have to do it a little more." until it fleets. Um, no, but... but that was kind of a it, so it was it was old school. I I've never been to a school like that since then. Uh, perhaps one other school was 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 close, but that was really the old school. I really enjoyed it, and that was my first in, exposure to martial arts, and I loved it. I wish I continued ensuring room to tell you the truth. And if I had to protect myself right now, I probably would revert back to my beginnings and I would probably block with both hands and counterattack. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's just ingrained in my brain. Even the, the black belt movements that I know from, uh, Shaolin Kempo, uh, would probably come out, but, uh, you know, that, that basic block counter-attack from Shurenru style is just ingrained and I probably would use it to this day. That's cool.
0: Yeah. So then uh, you said you were there four years. What happened then in your so, martial uh, arts journey after?
1: Yeah, and then I went to another fabulous school in Framingham, Massachusetts. Uh, Tony Anisi. He was a Shotokan and an Aikido uh, expert. He was also very old school, and he had a great, a great school. He was an interesting guy because he he was an expert at both the hard style and the fluid Aikido, um, using the weight of your Uh, aggressor. And I asked him how, how he can do it. It's sort of like being a schizophrenic because you have to be really strong in the shotokan, very similar to the stern but a little more stronger Japanese boom you're in your horse stance. Whereas Aikido, uh, you're, you're doing these flowing movements, circular movements. And I said, you know, they seem to be opposites. And then he looked at me and he says, when you get to a certain point, they become, you know, two sides of the same coin. And I thought that that was an interesting perspective because... You wouldn't think necessarily if you're going to hold your ground, that's the same thing or the other side of the coin of of flowing circular movements. But I don't think I've reached that pinnacle yet to really, truly understand what he's trying to communicate. But he was probably instrumental in my martial arts training to really understand the body and strategy. He uh, He would bring his class and we would all sit down in front of a whiteboard. And he would do this randomly through class. And then he would draw his stick figures of a person and another person. And he would say, this is a triangular idea, but if you get the center of gravity of a person past the center of mass, they're gonna fall. So he used those ideas to teach us how to defend ourselves. And he would uh, tell us that if we have to block And we're inside the person, meaning that the person can retaliate quickly with another, with a right or a left, and you're inside directly looking at his chest, then you have to be fast and quick. Whereas if you're on the outside of the individual and you block, say, a right hand and you move his right hand, so now you're facing the side of him or her, usually a him, and then you don't actually have to be very, very fast and you can take an extra split second to come back with a more powerful uh, maneuver like a sidekick. So he was fabulous in teaching us, teaching me ideas about uh, where you are if you're defending yourself and um, if you're inside the right punch or on the outside of a right punch. And then that dictates your next move usually running away or walking away. He was also big on not fighting, which I like, you know, because probably uh, after being in Master Iha's class uh, with Shuren Roo, I realized the damage that you can do if you actually were to hit someone in an elbow into someone's face, you don't really want to do that. So learning martial arts, One of the biggest things I realized was just not fight because you can devastate someone and you really don't want to do that. So, you know, martial arts became more of an aerobic exercise for me. I wanted to better myself and it gave you a lot of confidence because, you know, and you just don't want to get into a fight ever <laughs>
0: that's, that's smart
1: and he also said i think he said something really nice uh, tony Anisi said uh the the goal of a martial artist other than aerobics and staying healthy and, and trying to uh, better yourself with your with your style is to end hostility. And I really took that to heart. So if you ever were in an altercation, all you want to do is end hostility. And he would repeat that several times. And I took that and that resonated with me. So, you know, walk away if you can, uh, push someone away if, if you have to, block someone and then don't do anything else, or just take them down with a sweep and try to uh, subdue him in a non-aggressive manner. That's what he would preach. And so those were my two initial interactions with the martial arts. So four years with Master Iha in East Lansing, and then I was in Framingham for two years. Unfortunately, they weren't the same style, and I was moving around. And then I moved down to Virginia, And I had done these two Japanese hard styles, and there wasn't anything similar in Richmond, Virginia in 1992 when I started my graduate work. Uh, So I started taking Taekwondo. Okay. And I just, I loved it. So I said, all right, well, and then my friends would joke with me that I always start back at white belt. (laughs) (laughs) And I was the oldest white belt. So, which you know, I've been in, in a lot of styles, and I have a lot of white belts. So, uh, and Taekwondo was a different type of of philosophy, a different a different style. I liken um, Taekwondo as a young young person martial arts because the <laughs> kicks are a lot a lot more flowing, and you have to do a lot of jumping and turning and twisting and if your knees aren't good, like mine aren't right now, other than a front kick, you know, I can't do that much. So it really is for the, the young at heart, but I, I loved it. And a lot of, so I was there, I don't know, six years off and on, um, being in graduate school, obviously I was, I was a lot more uh, busy. So I couldn't work out as, as often as I wanted to, you know, This school was a decent school. I think they wanted to make money and I totally understood that Mm -hmm. my two schools that I first went to were fabulous. This one, you know, gave me an outlet to to work out and didn't get my black belt there probably because it was more of an off and on thing okay but the kicks boy taekwondo kicks are great i was reading a an article about the taekwondo elbow moves which Mm -hmm. um we didn't really uh focus on but that would have been fun to learn
0: yeah my my, in taekwondo my my first ever time breaking a brick was with my elbow so (laughs) oh really Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: so I went two Japanese styles, then I did taekwondo. I realized from Tony and Nisi that um and from Masa Master Iha, the, the experts from I guess from Korea were taken uh, by China when they invaded, and then by Japan when they invaded. So my understanding is martial arts, the the real martial arts started in Korea, but that might be inaccurate. I don't, I don't know.
0: I, I don't and know if anyone knows. It depends what experts you talk to, right? If if you if you do like reading martial arts books, there's a really great book I've talked about a couple times on a few episodes called "The Killing Art: The True History of Taekwondo." Oh, nice! So it's actually it's it's it definitely not. If you've learned anything about the history of Taekwondo, this is completely different. So it's kind of interesting. It's 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 a really good read. But yeah, like you said, I, who knows? I mean, it's. Any anyone who claims to be an expert on it, they, they learned it from someone else, who learned it from someone else, who learned it from someone else, and <laughs> right. no one, no one we know, it was there when it started. So it's all it's all hearsay, and <laughs> <Yep>. who knows?
1: <laughs> exactly. So I guess uh, we moved. I met my wife, uh, who I'm still married to. We have two kids now in Fargo. Oh, nice. uh, we went out to San Francisco to do our postdocs, and that's where I went. I met
0: uh, Master. Uh, great grandmaster Ralph Castro. So was he um, recommended or was it just complete happenstance that you met him?
1: Because of my experience in Virginia and <clears throat> wanting to get back to old school, uh, like the two awesome schools that I, I had first experienced, I went and I interviewed uh, dojos and in different um, martial arts oh. schools.
0: Do you remember some of the other styles you entered? I'm just curious oh, about boy. that. Uh,
1: I if think you're... there was, yeah, I think, I, I think I looked at, I don't remember who was teaching them or right. the names, but I didn't, I, I looked at an Aikido. Okay. I looked at, a. um, I don't think there was a Shiren I probably would have gone back to Shiren Rue had I could because it was my first love, mm-hmm there was a Nijitsu one that I looked at and that was fun, but it was more, it was too much like judo. Um, And, you know, I'm, I was a track runner and I have big legs and I kind of wanted to do more kicks. Um, So, uh, but, and, you know, I I've gone to schools where uh, you know, the so-called black belt would, would show me a few moves and what they, what, what their philosophy was. And he had me hold a bag and as I was holding the bag, he would demonstrate a sidekick and he hit me. Jeez. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't want to go to the school. if Their black belt doesn't have enough knowledge uh, to actually hit a big, you know, a uh, boxing bag. Wow. And instead he misses that target and he hits me holding the bag. So yeah. I said, yeah. I don't think you're a very good black belt. So uh, you know, black belts aren't all created equally. And just like all schools aren't created equally, some people want to make money. And I get that. And But others are old school. And I'm an old school martial artist. I, I, I like to train. I like to prepare. I like to become better and better, as better as I can be. You know, there's someone always going to know more martial arts than you. So just be humble and, and go about your business. And yeah, end hostilities. I really like that. And I've never been in a fight in my life, other than my sixth grade Kevin Crochetier. He and I got in a fight (laughs) by the reservoir in Winchester, Massachusetts, and that was my only fight that I've ever been in.
0: Nice. Um,
1: And it was actually amicable. We we walked home afterwards together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How fighting used to be. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Right. So I've never been in a fight, nor would I ever want to be. My kids asked me whether or not I, I could defend myself now. And I said, I probably could, but that's kind of funny. So, yeah, so I would work out with um, Ralph Castro. He also had some excellent, talented, really, really talented black belts in his school. Nice people they would live in, in the dojo, in the school. I'm not sure if they called it a dojo, that's Japanese, but their school, they would live there. And Ralph Castro with his wife, and he has a lot of children and the children were really, really talented. And you could just see, you know, Ralph Castro, his ability and his, his uh, demeanor on, on the floor, his ability to make the moves, were, it was just so fluid. And I liken it to, you know, anyone in their craft, like uh, a professional football player or baseball player, how smooth they are in doing their movements. Uh, you could just see that, you know, he understood these movements that he apparently with another person, they came up with these moves yep. um, themselves, which is even more impressive to me.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's his style that he, I mean, he, he, yeah. he, he got his original training with, um, uh, William K.S. Chow in Hawaii, who's the same person who trained Ed Parker for Ed, martial Ed arts Parker. nerds like me. So,
1: <laughs> Right, there you go. And let's see, um, I would liken, uh, I don't know if this is, if Ralph Castro would agree with me, but it was a fast fist style, Shaolin Kemple. There wasn't, um, coming from Taekwondo, we definitely didn't do a lot of flowerly kicks and, and turning around. Ralph, he would always say, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to turn and spin because then you're taking your eyes off your opponent. So, uh, you know, the philosophy was a little different and it was really fast. It wasn't as powerful as a Tony Nisi's Shotokan style. Even the Shuren Rue was a little more powerful. Uh, whereas Ralph Castro's uh, philosophy was hit him seven times instead of just once really strongly. So it was a, just a different way of, of thinking. So, again, it was kind of like that question I asked Tony Anisi: the turning and, and circular movements of Aikido versus the strong, powerful Shotokan, they're kind of one and the same. And Ralph Castro's version was, was fast and hit multiple times instead of actually uh, digging in with a strong fighting stance and coming in with your, your hips with one punch. So I, I enjoyed that dichotomy and that difference in in philosophies. And I would just eat it up and it was fun. I would drive my motorcycle from my apartment in, in the Sunset District. Uh, I went I went to school as a postdoc at UCSF. So i drive my motorcycle on the highway and that was fun. And the school, uh, there was a practice area and I've met some really good friends and I still have some friends, uh, a a kind of a sad story. Um, my friend, Brandon Jebbins, uh, who I met there, uh, he became a black belt with me. I see his
0: name on the list actually. (laughs) Yeah.
1: He, he just recently died of brain cancer. Oh, Wow. Um, I think last uh, January, and that was a sad time. And he was a great, great guy. He was from Hawaii or spent some time in Hawaii. And he and I uh, started at White Belt. We went up the ranks together. I met some really interesting people, some people from uh, Biogenics or or some biotech company, some other people from UCSF, uh, some other people who were in uh, very uh, eclectic, Different types of um, professions. One was a, a bus driver. One was in biotech. There was uh, some uh, some lawyers. You know, you meet all these different types of people, and they really, really were were talented at martial arts. So I really enjoyed that time. I was there for six years, and I'm happy to be a Shaolin Kempo black belt. I'm a little upset at myself because you know life happens, and when I left. And I learned so much. We, we would do this gauntlet and it was a maneuver where we would walk down and we'd have six people, three on either, either side, and it was not choreographed at all. So it would help you uh, understand uh, movements, uh, uh, the weights of whether the person had their weight on the right side or the left side, were they attacking with a, a right punch, left punch, a kick. What were they doing? You had no idea, and it was a gauntlet. And it was probably the most fun I had uh, training in martial arts because that's probably the most difficult thing for me to understand. If I ever had to defend, it's what do you actually have to defend? Because you don't know what the person's going to do. Right. Uh, and it's kind of like poker, where you have to identify what the person is trying to do before they actually do it so that you can. Be a half second ahead of them, and that was fun. You know, I got hit in the face a lot, and I would get hit in the in the gut a lot because I wouldn't do the right move. But then slowly, as you do this more often, it was fun because if you did the gauntlet well on that Saturday when we were doing it, I, it was just this big rush. So that was a great exercise that I did, and I wish I I, I continued it. So when I left, I came here, and I would go down to the um, racquetball court at the Y and I would do all of my forms. And that's what I would do it. And because of my initial training with Master Eha, I would, I would stretch, I do my kicks, I do my dance one, dance two, dance three, dance four, and I just continue to do that. And I did it alone. And it, it was fun. It was a good aerobic workout. I was sweating by the end. And I would do that probably I came here in 2004 after I got my black belt. I probably did it for um, at least five years oh, pretty wow. consistently on my own. Okay. And then, you know, off and on, I went down to, I think it's Running Tiger, uh, down in Minneapolis. Yeah, David
0: Meyer. Yep. David
1: Meyer. And I worked out with him uh, a few times. I wish I continued it. I, it's only three hours away, but two kids um, mm-hmm. running a laboratory, doing research, trying to get tenure. And so I, I kind of stopped and... But my kids do it now, oh. uh, or they did do it, and mm-hmm. they went to a taekwondo school here in Fargo. I wanted to at least expose them to it. Okay. And uh, my my daughter's in the background. She says uh, she still wants to do it, but she wants to do more of a, uh, of a what do you want to do? Jiu-Jitsu, she wants oh, to okay. do. Oh, okay.
0: Oh, there's some great Jiu-Jitsu instructors in Fargo, so...
1: So maybe after COVID, we can when we can get together and actually
0: <laughs> work yeah.
1: out together. That's sort of uh, a long version of my martial arts
0: experience. So, did you when you got to Fargo? Did you look at any schools and consider another style, or did you not want to start over a fourth time?
1: Yeah, um, I knew I wanted to continue to work out, and but no, I I, I think I I just. I, I had started and stopped so many different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once you, you get a black belt, I was given when Ralph Castro gives you a black belt, I, I don't know if he did it with all his black belts, but with me, he gave me uh, the title of ripping tiger. And that's the fourth dance in our system. Okay. And he would name a black belt based upon the personality. So he would all, he says that I was, I was like a, a ripping tiger. Okay. So, and that was uh, that was a humbling acknowledgement that he gave me, and the the rationale is that uh, each person who gets uh, their black belt is bestowed to maintain the authenticity of the dance that they're called after. So, ripping tiger is mine, and I need to make sure that I maintain it through the eons, I guess, uh, I probably haven't done that to the best of my ability, Mm -hmm. but I think I, I could probably do it. And I have, you know, randomly, I'll, I'll be in the kitchen waiting for my toast and then I'll do it. (laughs) And my kids (laughs) think I'm crazy. Uh, but yeah, I I didn't really look for another school because I was tired starting all over again. Mm -hmm. There's a certain, um, a uh, uh, coolness to that, just starting all over. And, and that's fine. I, there's no ego with me from black belt going to white belt. I don't care. It is kind of funny. I, uh, I did start to train again. So to answer your question, I didn't really look and I tried to keep my Shaolin Kemple. Uh, I went down and worked with uh, David Meyer a few times, but Life just got a got uh, a hold of me, and I and I stopped training uh, when my kids were born and they grew up. We went to the ATA uh, Taekwondo here. Um, uh, Master Byer, he he's a very talented martial artist himself, and I would work out as a white belt. And it was funny because you know. You know, when you, you have crutches and you're walking through a door and the people hold open the door and mm-hmm. they, they might even start talking louder because yep. they think that you're handicapped or something. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so, you know, when you have this training, you come in as a white belt, you know, I just keep my head down and I, I would do my thing and I try to learn the movements and these, these black belts that I, I might be working out with on any random Saturday, they would say after we train, wow, you have some really nice balance. And I would just say, thank you. But, you know, the belt telegraphs your level of knowledge, right? right. Yep. So, um, and in Taekwondo, I wasn't that knowledgeable, but I had some balance from my other styles uh, and that would be fun. It would also be a little frustrating too, because, I would want to learn more and at a faster pace, Mm -hmm. but, you know, because I was a white belt, I had to go over here to this side of the, of the mat and, and learn this front kick, you know, and which is fine because you always can improve your front kick. But you know, I wanted to. I wanted to learn at probably a faster, more advanced style. Although one thing that I, I I still would like to do, and I think if my knees hold out, I would like to learn a weapon. Uh, and I never I never learned a weapon, and probably because Master Iha told me he says, and there were some weapons in East Lansing's uh, dojo, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he said it was one of his black belts the guy who who called me judge and I asked him I wanted to learn a weapon he he holds out his hands and he says hold out your hands and I did and he says are you experts at these yet and I said no and he's like well then don't learn a weapon yet so I you know again old school and uh and that kind of made sense to me so but um, now that I have the balance and I understand how to defend, I probably, yeah, like the bow staff, something, a, a longer, a, a stick, mm-hmm. something that you could find in everyday life, like an umbrella or something like that. Yep.
0: I would really like to learn the bow staff. No, we should get together up. some time and, and do some training. So, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. please. So I, yeah. I have access to too many weapons at, at the school I train at, and we can definitely get together some weekend or something and practice if you want to. <laughs> awesome. That'd be fun. Did you ever, in all your years doing it, did you ever teach? Did you ever, were you like an assistant? Did you ever teach class? Uh,
1: I don't, if I ever taught a class, it might've been some random, Hey Glenn, why don't you warm the, warm everyone up? Okay. Um, I don't think I, I went into the teaching, uh, ironically, since I teach for a living, right? it would be fun. I, I think I could, I could do it. I don't know if I'd have the patience to teach little kids, um, <laughs>
0: It's different, But
1: yeah, <laughs> uh, I definitely could teach an adult class. That would be fun because I've learned from so many different awesome martial artists in their own right. I could blend all of that knowledge and uh, yeah, that would be fun. But no, I, I, I didn't do a lot of teaching. I might've warmed up a class here or there, okay. uh, but I did do some one-on-ones. Okay. And um, for example, as I was going up the ranks and all of these different styles If a white belt came in and they were my size, they would say, Glenn, can you run through these set of blocks or these set of maneuvers? And we would do that. So there was that type of one-on-one teaching, but nothing, nothing really organized on my
0: part. Okay. Let's say if someone approaches you, it's either a friend or maybe someone asking about either themselves or their kids. And they say, we're, we're thinking of getting involved in martial arts. I'm thinking of putting my kids in martial arts. What, what are some tips you'd give that person who's thinking of getting involved? What to look for, what to avoid in, in schools and instructors?
1: I think the advice that I would give is that not all all schools are not created equally. All black belts and martial artists aren't created equally. It's it's just like in any other discipline, take 10 lawyers. Some lawyers are just more talented at debating. Other lawyers are more talented at research uh, and writing. So you have to, you want to look at, I think the first thing that I would do is to look at the person running the school and to see how skilled that individual is. Okay. Uh, you want to look at the black belts and see, is this a school of 300 people or is this a school of 50? Are they trying to uh, master? Does it look at, and that's kind of hard if you just go once or twice. But if you if you talk to the black belts, if you hold a bag and the black belts can hit the bag, I think that's probably one of the first things I would do to see if, if they can pull off a reasonable sidekick without hitting you, which again happened to me. Yep. It's, it's hard. Maybe the number of belts. Uh, I certainly, there are some schools that have way more than 10 belts. And I think that that's just a money-making scheme. Mm-hmm. And I would watch the classes. I would see whether they are uh, technically oriented Do they just go through the motions of a front kick, a side kick, and then they do one dance and then they do another dance and then they, they get their pads and they work together or are they asking questions and does the instructor uh, stop class and say, the reason that we're doing this, this movement in this dance is because of, of this scenario. And then they'll break it down. And they'll show you why you're doing a horse dance in this particular portion of the dance. And the reason that you're doing this is because there's two people that you're fighting. And if you don't break the dances down and the movements down and to understand why the movements are the way they are, you don't really have a context uh, for the maneuvers. And I've seen some schools that really ignore this. So um, that's number of belts and attention to detail and, and understanding a context to the movements I think are, are important. We would have a, in Ralph Castro school, we would have a, a right hand would be a fist and we'd come into an open-handed left hand and we would bow. And a Ralph Castro, you'd take your right hand to your chest and you would just salute with a knife edge. And someone asked me, why are we doing that? And I said, I don't know. It's like, well, it's an attack to the neck. So you have to understand the techniques and you have to understand why you're doing the techniques. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of schools sometimes don't emphasize that aspect. Tony and Nisi uh, would take us to the whiteboard to understand strategy. If you're on the inside of a person, on the outside of the person, that would dictate your next move. That's really important. And understanding the movements. One thing that I learned in Master Iha's class, uh, the horse stance. Why is it called the horse stance? And they they taught me that it was because when you're riding a horse, that's the position. And they would practice while on horses.
0: I've heard that too.
1: And then we would get paper. And we would do. We would, you know, the horse stance has to be in a in a particular manner. And we would get paper, and we would have to take our feet on the paper, and then move our feet from um, uh, outward so that our heels and our toes would would be parallel to each other, but before they were concave and pointing towards each other. And then we would sort of crease the paper in a particular way. And I forget if we did this in. East Lansing or in Framingham but it it was that attention to detail to understand what's a horse stance what's a front stance what's a side stance and why do we do these things and that triangulation and if your center of gravity goes over a certain point you know your opponent's going to fall or you will fall those types of attention to details I think is really really important that's hard that's hard to find out if you just go to a, a class once. Right. So I think my other recommendation is be patient and watch the class, um, talk to people, ask them if you go for your next belt and you pay X number of dollars, will you get your belt? And if the answer is they snicker and they say, yeah, well, it's probably not a, a school where they have attention to detail. Right. I think that if you don't master your movements, you shouldn't move on. And one of the greatest things Tony Anisi told me, he says he was, I think, fifth fifth degree, I forget what he is. And he didn't want to go up to sixth degree because he didn't think he was good enough to get up to sixth degree because his teacher was seventh or eighth. And he didn't think he was good enough to be that close to his teacher. Wow. And that's the humbleness that I really appreciate. And if you speak to someone who knows martial arts, and if they are humble, that's the first indicator that they know what they're talking about. As I said, if you start to study, you know the damage you could do to another human being with an elbow or a a palm to the face, and you just don't want to do that. But if you talk to someone who's cocky, and they say, yeah, I can do this and that, that just uh, turns me off. So those are the things that I would try to tell someone look for you want to you want humbleness you want attention to detail you want maybe 10 belts or even less and you also want to ask how long does it take to get your black belt and if it's two years turn around and go to another school yep agree completely
0: so so now you've been in primarily traditional martial arts you know for over 20 years what are your thoughts on on mma and the ufc
1: oh wow i don't watch a lot of it okay I grew up watching boxing more, the octagon and all of that. Uh, yeah, I don't watch much of it. Uh, I think, sure. I think it's, it's, um, it definitely highlights a, uh, an additional element to just standard boxing. I don't think I would last more than six seconds <laughs> <laughs> against one of those guys. Wow. I think it's kind of brutal. I don't know if that necessarily is what I perceive as martial arts. It's sort of more fantasy. Uh, this is kind of what you see in the movies. And, um, and they're obviously great athletes and they know how to fight and protect themselves and do damage to another person. It's just not my thing, I think, based upon my training and, and my philosophy uh, of, of ending hostilities. Um, it's more of a sport and I appreciate it from the, from the sports side and people can make a living, but, uh, it's not for me.
0: That's great. That's a good answer. So you mentioned philosophy that was brings to my next question. So in all your years of martial arts, is there one philosophy that stands out for you?
1: Martial arts is a means to prepare yourself athletically, aerobically, mentally to reach a balance in your life. Uh, and really has nothing to do with fighting. In, in fact, it's probably the furthest from fighting in reality that, that I could think of. And, and yet everyone thinks, oh, you're a black belt. You can kick someone's butt. <laughs> but but it, it really, so the philosophy that I have, it's, it's ending hostilities. You never want to do this. You walk away if you can. It's a challenge. It's a personal, internal challenge trying to perfect yourself, which you never will achieve. And there's a beauty in that to me.
0: Nice. If you had to pick one martial artist to put on the top of your list for that you admire, and, and it can be someone you've worked out with. It can be just you know, someone from like a movie or someone that you've, you've heard about in history. If you had to pick just one martial artist to put at the top of your list, who would that be?
1: Oh, wow. Is is Bruce Lee a a real answer? Can oh yeah, I do that?
0: actually, I, I think probably five or six people have said him already, so that's definitely an answer.
1: Uh, 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 huh. Well, I I guess from the from the movies, yeah, Bruce Lee was was just phenomenal, mm-hmm. and and I have read some books about him, and I think uh, what he said when two um, experienced martial artists came to uh, teach or to train with him. He had, uh, they were drinking tea and he made them pour out their tea and he says, now hold up your cup. And he says, I'll train you as long as you'll allow me to refill your tea of knowledge. And then he poured them a new glass of tea. And I thought that that was, that was very nice because, you know, every martial artist has uh, slight different uh, movements and philosophies and people, so that embodied the following idea. My friends would, would make fun of me because I, I started at White Belt 7,000 times. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, what's the best martial arts? Is it, is it Aikido? Is it Shotokan, ru Shaon Kempo, uh, Taekwondo? And I said, the style doesn't matter, in my opinion. It's kind of like saying, what's the fastest sneaker? Like Adidas, Nike, You know, it's the feet that are in the sneaker. Yep. So it's the martial artist who uh, perfects the movements. And I think if done correctly, uh, Tai Chi master would be deadly. Um, so, true. yeah, so I, I guess I'd go with Bruce Lee. If I had to go with people uh, that I've trained with, uh, like I said, Master Iha was fabulous in any of his black belts. Uh, the guy who called me judge was just great. Tony Anisi is very, very um, talented and knowledgeable person in in Massachusetts. Uh, And then obviously, great grandmaster Castro. Some of his kids were phenomenal uh, martial artists. There was another person and he was a great guy. uh, Master Cunningham in, in the school. And I really liked him because he was down to earth. Big guy, powerful guy. But again, humble and he just he knew his stuff and he had this way of doing his movements that were that was really fun to watch. And he was loud. He would, he, when he hit, he, re- he really was loud Nice. in his key, key eyes. Uh, yeah, those those are the people I, I admire. Steven Seagal, I, I admire. Uh, I don't know, if, but he seems to be a legitimate martial artist. Oh, Who's yeah. the other guy in blood sport? Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> I always like because yeah. he's big. He's a big guy.
0: Yeah. And he started in Shotokan actually was his first style. So,
1: okay. Wow. You, you know, a lot more than I do. Good. I, I I'm a, talk to you when more it comes often.
0: to this, I'm a nerd. So, um, <laughs> so this one favorite martial arts book.
1: Oh boy. Okay. Um, let's see that one where I read that story about Bruce Lee. That was good. But I, I, I read another one and it was about a, a, a dropout from college and he went to China. And he learned from the Shaolin monks. And I think it was, uh, the, the, oh, I forget it was, it was like, uh, and there, on the cover of the book was like a McDonald's sign or a, a cheeseburger or something like that. And it was his story going through uh, China and learning from the actual experts that, that he met. And, and the stories uh, that he lived through. And I'm assuming it's accurate and nonfiction. I guess I don't have anything to corroborate it. And I forget the title. Maybe if I if I do some research on it, I can get you the title.
0: That's that's not the book uh, American Shaolin. I think that that one is is that it? Well, it's I know that one. I I have the book and it has a, a picture of a Shaolin monk holding a Burger King bag. That's it. That's okay. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. By Matthew Pauly. That's actually a okay. really, really good book. Yeah. yeah I I, love I that. completely forgot about that book until you mentioned it. So yeah, it's a great book. I,
1: yeah. And, and it would just uh, show you how uh, the different philosophies of, of an individual. So they would have, you know, if you wanted to get an iron forearm, you know, you wake up and you hit a, a, a stick and then a rock like 10 times and you do it every single day of your life. And they have some pictures that are very interesting. I think you might remember some of those pictures that are, aren't are necessarily G-rated, but you can mm-hmm. get any part of your body rock solid. And I thought that that, that was just a, a really cool idea. And it just demonstrates the human spirit. If you want to do it, you do it. Yeah, I
0: need to reread that. I think that came out in the- Early to mid 2000s, so I need to pull that one off my shelf and read it again. So, okay, all right. So, being you were you kind of grew up in the 70s and 80s. I'm curious if you'll have an answer for this one or not. But do you have a favorite martial arts video game? Were you a video game guy in the 80s?
1: (laughs) Yeah. What's that one? Uh, They played that in Bloodsport. I get what is it? Mortal Kombat. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Well, but, it's
0: funny the one. It was funny the one they played in Bloodsport. I mean, because the Bloodsport supposedly took place in like 1973, and the video game they were playing didn't come out until like 1979. So <laughs> that's the thing I remember seeing in that, but I can't remember oh, which one. Yeah, I can't remember which game that was. Um, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, that one I always liked. Uh, I was telling someone on another interview I, there was a game on my Commodore 64 called Bruce Lee. Uh, That came out in, like, the mid-'80s. And I actually went and found a YouTube video of it, and, man, those graphics.
1: (laughs) I know. It's kind of funny. That's
0: cool. All right, so final two questions. Favorite martial arts TV show?
1: I guess I would have to go – it's probably everyone says this. uh, The Carradine show? Kung Fu. um, Kung Fu. Uh, Actually,
0: my last four guests have said that. (laughs) Not everyone says that, but my last four have. I
1: appreciate when they did the the when they would go back in time, mm-hmm,
0: to the and it would
1: yeah, and it would always uh, be relevant to the experience that he was having at that moment. And you know those comments of, you know, maim instead of kill, and break an arm instead of maim, and just walk away instead of fighting. Those types of you know some of it is kind of silly and corny, but it it also is founded in some good philosophy. I think he said. Uh, master, how how is it that you can see all of this and you're blind? And then he says, y- "Young young one, how is it that you cannot?" And I just, I, yeah, I just loved
0: it. I nice. just And I know you, at the beginning you kind of mentioned you you loved martial arts movies. So favorite martial arts movie? And if you can't narrow it down, you can name a couple. Obviously, I you know something something like me, I I can never pick just one. <laughs>
1: because of the story even though it wasn't martial arts story s but the matrix has some some really cool martial arts that i thought yep um enter the dragon obviously is Great is movie. awesome yeah but there's there's some uh what's the uh, one i think i was watching it with my daughter and i didn't know it was r rated <laughs> 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 ipan
0: I, oh, ipan ipan
1: Ip Man, yeah. Uh, some of those scenes
0: are phenomenal. Oh yeah, Donnie Yen, amazing in those movies. It's, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and yeah, and it's really fun. I mean, you can. There's a lot of movies out there where the person doing the moves are obviously not a martial artist, and you right. can tell. Although the camera does really uh, help sell it. But then, if they really do understand how to stand and they have balance, and they can do these moves. And you don't have to cut with the camera; it's enjoyable. And Donnie Yen
0: definitely has that martial arts background. So I mean, he's—I yeah, think he's been training for for quite a while. But yeah, no, that's it, man. All those are ones I'll, I'll rewatch over and over. And I think there's been four, four of them, I believe, four or five. So yeah. And
1: I told my kids when they're when they're
0: seventeen, we'll watch Blood Sport. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. That's a, that's a great movie. That's, <laughs> I, that's the one I, I just watched that a couple months ago actually. And it's for the most part, it holds up. I mean, the acting definitely not the greatest, but the, <laughs> the martial arts is, is, is always fun. I mean, there's, there's a handful of those I watch all the time. I'll watch, you know, uh, Roadhouse is another one we we're just talking about with oh, another, yeah. another guest. Sure, There's some great martial that. Obviously, another one that's rated R. <laughs> <So> <laughs> right, probably not with the kids. But and I just I just rewatched Karate Kid again about two months ago, and yeah, that's that's very cool. Well, I just oh, want to th- so thank cool. you, Glenn. This has been this has been a lot of fun. I know we've chatted through email many times over the years, and yeah, and uh, but but seriously, invitation is open if you ever want to go in on a weekend and and work on some like some bow staff or even just kick or punch a heavy bag um, definitely get a hold of me uh, more than willing to do that and it's but it's been fun hearing your story i said only when i first ch- chatted with you i only knew about the ralph castro stuff i didn't know about your other styles which was kind of fun and so always always good to talk to people and learn about their backgrounds
1: well good i'm i'm glad that uh we did this this was uh great and i i hope people
0: liked it